Good morning. Good morning. Wow, what a song that was. How about that? Thank you, worship team. That was fantastic. I'm a real sucker for songs about grace anyways. And I mean, what, what, a, what a wonderful song. What a great way to get, get going this morning. Uh, but, uh, you, you know, what a week we've had. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention to... Uh, you know, the headlines, most people check the news and fairly well have an idea of what's going on in the world, and, uh, you know, there's been some, uh, some trouble the last week or so. We know that there's been trouble with uh, uh, foreign relations, what's going on in North Korea, and uh, our response to that, and some threats going on. Um, Yesterday in, uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia, a town I visited several times, like that town, uh, uh, was rocked by a lot of, of uh, protests and uh, hatred and, and other problems that, were, that have been going on. And, and uh, I'd gone to, to, uh, up to school and was getting ready for, you know, we're going to be starting classes here for too long. Uh, how many days, Karen? Oh, see, I still got another week. I get the, for now. <laughs> that's teacher joke. Usually a non-teacher who asks a teacher about this time of year, how many days you got, usually get a dirty look. So I wanted to take just a minute before we get into, you know, what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to address some of these, these issues that are going on. Uh, you know, things can really get moving in the world and you know, it leaves you kind of like, what is, what is happening? And, and uh, I remember when I was a kid, many of you, when you were kids, uh, can remember, uh, you know, the, the old Cold War and, hey, you know, what would happen if the nukes were launched today? You know, when people were talking about it. Some of you who are, who are much older probably remember ducking cover drills and, you know, try to get out of the school or jump under the desk or, you know, whatever that, you know, that's really going to help, you know. But we show those films to our kids today and they watch those and they're like, what are they doing? Why are they getting into that box? Why is he climbing under the desk? What's that going to do? And kids today are, are pretty up with it. They're not, you can't fool them too much. But I heard a lot of rhetoric this week about, you know, our military is bigger than yours and fire and fury, and we're going to do this, and, and, and I wanted to, to just read this. As people of God, our hope is not in nuclear weapons, it's not in the military, it is not in, you know, those kinds of things of the world. I wanted to read Psalm 46. I was, you know, most of the week, I was like, man, this is getting crazy, what are we going to do? Uh, people in Guam, for goodness sake, they're, they're passing out flyers to them. What to do in case you see the flash? How'd you like to be living in Guam today? Psalm 46 goes like this. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change, though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, there is a river 
whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. How many times do we forget that? You know, you know I look at the news and, and I get a little worried. And I worry about my kids, my own children. I worry about uh, uh, kids at school. You know, are they going to be able to, you know, what kind of a world are they going to grow up into? But as a person of faith, God is my refuge and strength. God is my help, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Somebody could launch a nuke. Something could happen. Something could do this or that. God is our refuge and strength. Fear God. Don't fear the one who can kill the mortal body, but the one who you know, can throw the whole thing out at the end. Fear Him. If we go to the next slide, as far as Charlottesville, if you saw the film of that yesterday, they had a protest down there, and I struggle to call it a protest. This was not a group of people upset about historical monuments being moved and concerned citizens groups. These are fascists. These are people who are the far, far right on the, on the political scale. They hate people. And what we saw was an exercise in hatred. As a person who's just like you, I feel it's my responsibility as a Christian to speak out and to call it what it is. It was hate. And as people of God, we have to call it that for what it is. The Bible says if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. When we drive cars in the crowds and, and kill people, you can claim that's in the name of patriotism or in the name of your God. The God of my Bible says, you're a liar. Love your brother. I could have taken uh, uh, President Trump down and... Uh, the, the, the scenes from Charlottesville, I could have put up headlines from Springfield this week. More shootings, another murder. The message is still the same. If, God, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. God wants us to love people of, of, of Christ. We are to love our neighbor. Well, let me get down off my soapbox here. I'll go on and on. I've when I was putting this on together last night, I, I told Kayla, I said, now you got to shake your finger at me because this isn't what I came here to do. I'm here to preach the gospel, not to, you know, to get on to the politics thing. I'll save that for school once I get into that. So. <laughs> Corrupt the minds of the little kids. You know, you know how us liberals are. Speaking of school, if we go on, something a little bit... Uh, Lighter. We're going to talk about the faith of Abraham today. And uh, that's about as far away from nuclear weapons in, in, in Charlottesville as you can get, I think, in some ways. But 
But I want to start off, if we go to the next slide, one of the fun things that I do is when I teach is I often ask kids, okay, what do you know about this? And the amount of historical facts that kids tell me are numerous, and they're really hilarious, frankly. You know, they'll, they'll look at you and, with conviction in their heart. Well, well, you know, Pocahontas and John Smith, you know, they were lovers, and, you know, I, I watched that cartoon, and, and, and they ran around, and, and she saved him, and, well, in reality, Pocahontas was probably about 10 years old when this event occurred, if it actually occurred. Um, you know, so much for John Smith and, and Pocahontas, and maybe they waved at each other, and she felt bad for him, but uh, sorry, Disney, you got that one wrong. And Another one, Ben Franklin discovered electricity by flying a kite. I mean, every look at the pictures in the book, and here he's out there with his kite, and, you know, and he's got the, got the, the key and the thing on there. No, Ben Franklin didn't discover electricity. They already knew electricity existed. He was looking for a way to kind of demonstrate, you know, that electricity was real, that it was a, a force. And all that really happened was, don't try this at home, kids. Don't go out in the middle of a thunderstorm and fly your kite up into the, wow, there we go. I mean, what happened is the, the hairs on the string, they all kind of stood up like static electricity. And then when he touched the, the key, bing, you got a little shock. When we were kids, we used to do that in the library. We'd sneak up to people, we'd shuffle our feet, and then bang, you know, watch them jump. And that was always great. That's what Ben Franklin was doing. What's another one? Oh, yeah, Columbus was out to prove the world was round. Oh, sorry. <laughs> They, most of them knew by that time the world was probably round. Columbus was out to, he was looking for a new route to the east. He didn't care about the world was round or not. Oh yes, Lincoln fought the war to end slavery. That's a, one that always comes up in middle school. No, Lincoln didn't fight the war to, to end slavery. In fact, he very famously said, you know, in the midst of this civil war, if I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I'd do it. If I could save the Union and free some of the slaves, well, I'd do that. If I could save the Union and free them all, well, I'd do that. My job is to help save the Union. I'm not worried about that. Kids look at you like, what? I thought Lincoln, he ended slavery. Well, here we go. Little knowledge is a dangerous thing. Another one, Einstein flunked math class. He was a horrible student. Kids always bring that up when they fail a test. Well, Einstein was a horrible student too. And I'm like, oh yeah, well. Actually, he probably wasn't a horrible student. He probably had horrible teachers. He, frankly, he was bored out of his mind. And the only class he really did well in was math because he was interested in it. Oh, this one gets me every year. You always have some kid, you know, Hitler was Jewish. That's why he hates the Jews. I'm like, well, two things. One, he was not Jewish. And two, that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> you know, what you just said, you know. Uh, they'll say, oh, his great-grandpa was, he might have been a little Jewish. That's ridiculous. There's no evidence for that. And then my all-time favorite, if we go to the next slide... John Kennedy was killed by the mob, the CIA, the Teamsters, the Cubans, 
Vice President Johnson, George Bush, the Soviets, Secret Service, and a partridge in a pear tree. They all got together and took out Kennedy. You'll never... That's, a, that's when we fight every year, and kids are like, no, no, no. Despite what the truth is, well, you're going to believe what you're going to believe, I guess. You know, as a history teacher, I get a chuckle out of the myths that so many people take as, as fact. People hear stuff all the time. They just assume that what they hear is the truth. I mean, the Internet's always right, guys, you know. Google's my friend, it would never lie. <laughs> you know, the, the internet. Well, we know there's plenty of error out there. It's especially easy to believe things you hear when those people are people you love and respect. My grandma told me, my dad told me. Why would they lie to you? <laughs> they love you. You're going to believe it. You know, I can't. I can't always persuade every kid to accept the truth. But even if I, if I can't, I, I still care for them. I, I can still be their friend. I can still be their teacher. Even though, you know, I got some kid that believes, you know, Kennedy was killed by the Teamsters. You don't even know who the Teamsters are, but whatever, you know. I can still be his friend. I can still teach him. We can still have a relationship. We go to the next one. I want to get back to the fundamentals a little bit. It's fun to debate and poke fun at people who have their history messed up. Oh, how cute. <laughs> they, their history's all messed up. But what about ideas of a religious nature? What about something a little more serious about your faith? I had mentioned last week, you know, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. You know, in our job, our, the main thing for us is leading people into a relationship with Christ to help them to grow deeper in that relationship with Christ. That is our mission. That is what we are about. We're not here to make you all great scholars of the Bible, though I, I would really like for that to happen. I think we all need to dust off the Bible and, and get, get in there and see what it's about. You know, it's fun to poke, uh, poke fun at people and, and, and who you know, have their history messed up, but what about ideas of faith? What about ideas that might conflict with what Grandma told me when I was a little kid? Grandma told me I was, was going to heaven. Is Grandma right? Is she wrong? Why would grandma lie to me? I'm believing grandma. I don't care what the Bible says. I, I, I'm, I'm, grandma wouldn't lie to me. Um, you know, stop and think for a minute. How much of your thinking concerning matters of faith? This is just for you to think about. I don't want anybody to answer it or to discuss it with anybody. Just think about it. How much of your thinking concerning matters of faith is based on your knowledge of the Bible. This, the, the Bible, not grandma, not CNN, not YouTube. The Bible. How much is based on what you've heard from others or seen on TV or what you learn by listening to a, a beautiful gospel song or a, or a hymn? 
A lot of times what we believe is based upon what, what we hear, what others tell us, what others think. But we don't actually take the time to test it, to look at it for ourselves. If we go to the next one, you ever had people give you that look? I have. Well, you go to that weird church. <laughs> you go to North Hills. If you ever haven't noticed yet, we have a pretty distinctive set of beliefs that are often not embraced by mainline Christian churches. None of these beliefs, I believe, are to the point where it should cut off fellowship. I've, I've seen people walk out of church. I've seen people leave in a, in a huff. I've, seen, uh, I've heard some of my favorite Bible teachers on the radio. If your church believe, doesn't believe this, get out of there. Run, because they're a cult and they're bad. All I know is that this church loves Jesus Christ, and we love people. If that makes me weird, then I'm a weirdo. Sorry. I'm not out to brutalize somebody else's faith. I want to show them the truth of the Bible, but I'm about making people believers in Christ. I've had that look before. I've had dear friends leave the church over religious beliefs. Now, don't get me wrong. Religious belief is very, very important. It's the foundation. It's the fundamentals of, of your faith, of what we believe. And we as a church are a member of a denomination that is very small. It doesn't mean we're not important or we're not... Oh, you know, weird, you know, if you want to go with the, the flow, I mean, there are churches with millions and millions of believers. But we do have some distinctive ideas about matters of faith. Those are the fundamentals that I've been talking about. Those are some things that I want to be, to be looking at. For a long time, the message often that we hear and not just this church, but in other Church of God churches, and I've heard some young pastors discuss this and talk about it, the message is not all that different than any other church. You wouldn't know that there are some distinctive beliefs, some differences, because nobody ever talks about it. It's like the, you know, the, for lack of a better example, the, the crazy ant, you lock her up in the attic, Nobody, nobody talks about her, but you know she's up there. All right, my aunt was crazy, so I can say that. You know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we didn't lock her in a closet, but... You know. Anyways, I think you get my point. That as people of God, we are not only members... You know, we are members of the church of God, of the Abrahamic faith. What is this Abrahamic stuff? How are we any different than... You know, a lot of times people will say, where do you go to church? I go to Springfield. I go to the Church of God. Oh, yeah, that big church down there. No, not that Church of God. Church of God of the Abrahamic faith. North Hills, it's a wonderful church. Oh. Our, our pastor said, you probably shouldn't go there. Those people aren't, they're a little weird. Like I said, 
I want people to love Christ. I want people to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that makes me weird, then I'm a weirdo. What can I say? <laughs> Thanks for that vote of confidence. I appreciate you. No. <laughs> I want to look at a, uh, uh, a group in the Bible that I've come to really enjoy, if we can move on here. Uh, you know, doctrine is, uh, that's a fancy word, and people sometimes go, doctrine, uh, yeah, here we go. Well, wake me up in about half an hour, uh, roll out of here, you know. No, doctrine is simply what you believe, what you accept as truth. And in our case, what we believe, I like Liam Neeson, you know, have a very particular set of beliefs, <laughs> you know. Developed after a careful reading of the Bible. I want to look at some of these truths over the next few weeks. And my job and my desire is not to offend people or to make anybody mad or to make anybody like, oh. I mean, I don't we haven't sacrificed any children lately, have we? Or or done anything like that, I don't think. You know, I've been called a cultist before. I'm not part of a cult. I'm part of a church that loves Jesus Christ. A church that wants others to love Him as well. Now, before I really start opening up a can of worms here, which I think I've already done, the genie's out of the bottle now, I want to look at a group of early believers who were determined to learn about their God and base their lives upon a study of the Scripture, not culture, not what Grandma says, not what the Jews say, but the Scriptures. And we go to the next slide. It's a group of people that we call the Bereans. The Bereans. Now, to kind of set up the story here, Paul and Silas had been going around and ministering to the different churches. One of Paul's missionary trips. And they had been to Thessalonica. There's two very interesting letters in the Bible, the book of Thessalonians, that you know, deal with his interaction with these people here at Thessalonica. And just like it happened in a lot of places, sure enough, the Jews got stirred up and ran them out of the city. Get out of here. You, your message is so whacked out, we don't want you. You're weirdos. Get out of here. So they, they ran them out of the city. Well, the next place they ended up was Berea. And when they got to Berea, which was a city in Macedonia, that's the northern part of Greece. Uh, Berea would be north of Mount Olympus. Maybe you go up, you know, the northern part of Greece, if you're interested in Greece. And uh, Acts, the book of Acts mentions, and I want to read this, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. You guys got to get out of here. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul, sure enough, they showed up, they stirred up the crowd, and they run them off again. 
This is a pattern that's going on. The point I want to look, point out about this is these people are especially noted for their noble-mindedness. They're more noble-minded than the, the, the believers in Thessalonica or other places. Noble-mindedness might be, could also be translated fair-minded, open-minded. I would, in my profession, I would call it they were teachable. They were open to the truth, but you've got to prove it to me. I'll believe it, but show me. Show me in the Bible. Don't tell me what, what, what the Jews say. Don't tell me what Grandma says. <laughs> What's the Bible say? What's the Scripture say? And Paul was like, yes, finally, we can get into this. You know, into the Scriptures. They wanted proof to find out whether these things were so. They did not study so that they could rebel against the culture. It wasn't a pride thing. We have the truth. And, and the others don't. There wasn't anything about that. They weren't trying to start an argument. I've known people from our congregation who would go up to folks who they know. They know that their beliefs are different. And they'll start talking about and It's simply to start an argument. Get a, nothing like a good argument. Get the day going. There we go. Well, let's talk about it. Next thing you know, here we go. Some people just like a good argument. Now, these Christians wanted to learn about the truth, the truth that was found in the Scripture. So they studied it twice a year, Easter and Christmas. Right? No, they, they studied it what? Oh, daily. Darn it, those, those darn Bereans. Why not once a week or... No, they studied it daily. Why? Because they wanted to understand. They wanted to know the truth as the Scriptures revealed it. Well, sure enough, you know, if we want to open up our, our grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we too have to learn to search the Scriptures daily. It's our job to open God's Word. God... God's not going to simply pour in the knowledge through some sort of spiritual osmosis. If when I was saved, when I went into the waters of baptism, it'd been a lot easier if I came out of the water suddenly totally enlightened. Wow, I know the Bible. I know the Scriptures. I'm a good Christian now, and I know what to do. I don't know about your experience, but mine wasn't like that. I was hoping for a wonderful... Uh, Miraculous event. I was baptized here. A man by the name of Lee Arp dunked me into the water and I came out and I'm wet. <laughs> I remember I hugged him. I was so happy. And he was like, oh, thanks a lot, John. This was the only shirt I had today. So he's up here preaching. He's all wet. But it's taken a lifetime of experience of good and bad, of struggle of pain, of disappointment, of triumph. After, I think, 30 years now, I've been saved. And I finally feel like I'm starting maybe to figure out a few things. 
just a few. I got a long way to go. A long way to go. But I know that a lot of my growth came not from hoping, not from listening to the radio, not from talking to people. It, it came from finally reading the Bible. And coming from basing my ideas about life from the Bible. So, what are these fundamentals of the church of God? Let's, let's move ahead here. I, I don't want to do what I did last week and just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. Uh, the Bereans, of course, were noble-minded, which you might say teachable. It's always nice when your students are teachable. <laughs> they listen, hey, you know, that's amazing. Open-minded. They studied the scripture daily. Let's move ahead. Ah, my sons had Father Abraham. I love Yoda. I'm a, besides football, I'm a big Star Wars geek. So, One of the first uh, choruses that I ever learned in the Church of God was, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had father... And here we go. And I remember standing back here singing the song, and I was like, what's going on? Father Abraham, right hand. And I'm like, oh, oh, now what's going on? People are shaking their hands. What's going on in here? Right hand, left hand. I'm like, oh, no, boy, here we go. So I'm standing back here like, oh, gee, many Christmas. What have I gotten myself into? By the end of it, we were like this. I was like, man, we were really messed up. So. But that little chorus, that little song is the foundation of our church body. We are the church of God of the Abrahamic faith. The unique truths that we teach and believe are 100% biblical. When people look at you and go, you go to that church? Yeah, I go to that church because everything that is taught, everything that we believe, all of our ministry flows out of our knowledge of the Bible. Not a creed written by people who lived hundreds of years after Christ. Not by what Chuck Swindoll said on the radio, but by what the Word of God teaches us. Everything that the Church of God of the Abrahamic faith, that North Hill stands for, is 100% biblical. Like the noble-minded Bereans, our church, others like our church, our conference... We search the Scriptures daily with great eagerness to prove what is true, like the Bereans. So I want to look at the most basic fundamental point, and this is, what is this Abrahamic faith stuff? Because I know there are a lot of you who have been here a long time, and have always heard there are some unique beliefs. So let's go ahead and open the can of worms. Let's, let's take the... Like the Wizard of Oz, I'm going to try to pull back the veil a little bit. so Everybody can see that, you know, it's okay. The, the, the guy behind the curtain, he, he's really a good guy. There's nothing bad back there. Our set of beliefs are founded upon what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Abraham was a man from the Bible, from the book of Genesis. He is the father of the Christian, or excuse me, we'll start with the Jewish religion. The Jews find Abraham as being, that's their father. He started it. And of course, from the, the Jews come the Christians. We look at Abraham as our spiritual 
the father in a lot of ways. The Muslims. Look at Abraham as the founder, the foundations of their beliefs. So three of the greatest religions of the world, they have their foundations in this man named Abraham. So he must be a pretty important person. Well, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, talks about a conversation God and Abraham are going to have. God and Abraham were friends. And God says, Now the Lord said to Abram, hadn't changed his name yet, but he would, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. I know you're a rich guy, Abraham. I know you got a lot going for you, but I want you to get up and move. Get your stuff and go. Just trust me. Abraham's like, uh, are you sure about this? Uh, and God says, well, look, I, I, will, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. What a promise. The church of God of the Abrahamic faith, those of you who are new here, who are trying to figure out some of this stuff, this is where we get our ideas about Abraham. God made a promise to Abraham that if you obey me, I will bless you. And one day, you will have a kingdom that will have no end. You will be blessed. We look back at this Abrahamic covenant as sort of the foundation of what we believe. There's a, a tiny little book in the Bible for all my new brothers and sisters who are starting to really get into this idea of of looking at the scriptures, and I think there's a, a great need for this. I put up a, uh, a little poll on Facebook the other day, and uh, it blew up. I mean, 15, at least up to now, there's 15 at least people who are interested that want a basic Bible beliefs class. There's a hunger for the truth that's flowing through this church. The book of Daniel, it's a tiny little book, it's got packs a wallop, it's got a lot to say. Daniel talks about this kingdom a little bit. It says, In the days that those kings and the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. It is talking about the coming kingdom of God. The kingdom of God that all of us should, hopefully, want to spend our eternity with, with God. On the left, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. That's the promise given to Abraham. For us as Christians, since we're not Jewish, the book of Galatians chapter 3 on the right says, if you belong to Christ, then you belong, you are Abraham's descendants. Heirs according to promise. If you are a Christian, you are the spiritual heir of Abraham. The kingdom that God promised to Abraham is a kingdom that's promised to you. 
That is the kingdom of God that we look forward to. That is the kingdom of God that the Bible speaks of hundreds and hundreds of times. That's the kingdom that I want to be a part of. Next slide. There now, that, that, that wasn't too weird, was it? That freak anybody out? Anybody want to run for the door? I hope not. That's what the Bible just says. God told Abraham, I'm going to create a kingdom, and I want you to be there. And all these people to come who put their faith in the Son of God, I want them to be in that kingdom too. It's a kingdom without end. That's what the Bible says. That's not what my gra- definitely not what my grandma says. Right? <laughs> That's what the Bible says. It's it, you know, the North Hills Church of God of the Abrahamic faith exists to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I say that every week because if it, nothing else, after a year of me blathering in front of church. I hope I can convince you that the reason this church exists is because we love Christ and we want you to grow in your relationship with Him. Everything that we talk about is 100% biblical. If it's not, tell me, challenge me, correct me. Because I want to know the truth too. I have a lot of questions of my own. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking more and more at these fundamentals of the church of God. I'm going to do it in a way that be kind of lighthearted, I hope, and, but yet open your minds and hopefully open the Bible to, you know, what is it that makes our church so distinctive? We go to the next slide. Uh, you know, we're going to look at some of these fundamentals of faith. We're going to ask questions like, was, is Jesus God? And the Bible says he's the son of God. But is he God? Well, what's the idea with that? Well, is there a hell? And everybody I know tells me to go there. Uh, they must believe it's a place. Uh, uh, I don't know, you know. What about heaven? Is, you know, what, what's, what's heaven? What's, what's the Holy Spirit? Or as my grandma used to say, the Holy Ghost, uh, the Holy Ghost to come upon you. There you go, Jimmy. Am I getting close? All right. Jim wants me to do a fire and brimstone like my uncle's one of these days. That would make people run for the doors, I think. Tell me more about this kingdom of God. What about these fundamentals of the faith? You know, is Ohio State really the best college football team? I mean, these are questions that people want to know. So, you know, as we move ahead and we move forward with a look at the fundamentals of the faith, I want to make a couple of things clear. If we go ahead and flip our slide here. Above all, we have to remember when we share the gospel, when we share what we believe that's based on the Bible, we have to share it in love. Speak the truth in love, not as a jerk. Not as a know-it-all, 
not as somebody who just wants to win an argument, but I want to share the truth with you. I'm sharing this in love. Matthew 22, which I don't have a slide for that. I'm going to have to get with that. Matthew 22, starting at verse 36. Jesus is trying to teach the, uh, the people here. The Pharisees are there. And there are some notorious arguments there that he had with the, with the Pharisees. One of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, testing him. Teacher, what's the great commandment in the law? What's, what is it? We were to take the whole thing and boil it down. What is the most important thing, teacher? I got him now. I got Jesus now. He can't answer this one. Jesus looked at him and he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. A lot of people stop right there. But if you go on to verse 39, And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. To boil it all down to you, the Bible asks us to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. If at the end of the day, you may go, man, I don't know about some of these beliefs, but they love God. And I know they love me. What else? Do you need to be loved, to love God, and to love one another in a world that does not love, in a world that hates, that kills, that makes war? I want to be a part of a group of people who love God and love one another another. Whenever we get into arguments, whenever we have disputes, we must always remember to love one another. You shall love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the truth of truths. Well, as a church, I guess my job is what I'd like to do is you know, the Bible says we're salt and light. I want to bring out the salt a little bit over the next few, few weeks and, and uh, kind of you know, liven things up a little bit. Maybe show that our church is not like every other church, that we do have some distinction. A distinction that we should be proud of. A distinction and a heritage based upon the Word of God. That, my friends, is, is an amazing thing. It's not based upon a creed. It's not based on what Grandma says. It's not based upon what the radio man said. The Word of God. What else could you base it on? So, in the next few weeks, bring your Bibles, bring your digital devices, bring your iPhone, whatever it is you got your Bible on. It's the Word of God is the Word of God. And we're going to look at the Word of God and see what it is that makes 
North Hills, the church of God of the Abrahamic faith, such a special and wonderful place. The worship team would come forward. We'll uh, continue to worship God, which we do a lot of around here. Does that make us weird? I hope not. Maybe. I always tease my dad and his church. They, they love Jesus too, but most of their music is funeral dirges, you know. I'm like, those are great, but you know, I'm not dead yet. Now I don't I don't want to I don't want to go there yet. So anyways, let's worship God this morning. <laughs> <laughs> 